Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Firstly, we're going to pray for Hannah Moore. Schoolies is happening next week. I think most of us would be aware of that. And Hannah's responsible for the whole event. So she really needs our prayers. So let's just lift her to the Lord now. Lord, we give you thanks for the time and effort that people put into providing a safe environment for our young people to go and celebrate the end of year 12. We especially pray for Hannah, who has the total responsibility for this event, Lord, and we know what a success it was last year. And we pray for her today that you will give her the energy and the wisdom that she needs for every decision that needs to be made in this coming week, Lord, that all of her needs will be met in you. We pray for good weather. It's such an important part of the whole event, Lord, and we pray that you will bless them with that dry and, and lovely weather for the, to enjoy. We pray for all of the teams, Lord, the police, the paramedics, the spiritual counsellors, the support workers and all the volunteers. Lord, we pray that there will be great communication and cooperation between them all, Lord, and we pray for the covering of your Holy Spirit over the whole event. We thank you for the great event it was last year and we pray that this year they will also have great success, Lord. In your precious name we pray. And Lord, we also come before you today with heavy hearts as we see our people in this great land of ours being devastated by the bushfires. Lord, we can only imagine the feelings of grief, shock, horror, anger and loss these people are experiencing right now. We pray for all of them as they come to terms with the loss of their loved ones, their properties, all their belongings, their pets, their livestock, their crops, their jobs, their future income. Lord, we pray that as they look at the future, they can't even comprehend that you will comfort them and give them hope. Bring people around them to encourage, love and stand with them through this time. We pray for integrity and a fair deal from the insurance companies, Lord, when the time comes that there will be justice for all those who need it in order to start again. We pray for the church, your people who are scattered throughout all of these regions of loss and devastation. Help them, Lord, to comfort and support the victims of these fires and to share your love with them. We pray, Lord, for all the workers from all the emergency services. We pray especially for the firefighters and ask that you will sustain and protect them. We pray there will be many who will support and care for them as they give their all to continue to fight the fires on so many fronts. We pray for the police, the paramedics, the pilots, the army personnel, that you will watch over them all and help them in their efforts to deal with so many diverse and desperate needs. We pray for those in positions of authority who need your wisdom and guidance for the decisions that need to be made, sometimes under great duress and urgency. They will all be suffering from tiredness and mental and physical exhaustion after so many days of operating at such peak levels. Lord, we pray for times of refreshing, no matter how brief, that you will care for them and give them the strength and alertness of mind that they need. We pray for Ronnie, as she works through the recovery process to help those who have lost so much. 
We pray for your protection, strength and divine wisdom for her and the people she is working with. We thank you that Ronnie is your instrument in the midst of this chaos. We thank you for the gifts and experience she is able to bring to the needs of the victims. Help her, Lord, to be your light and love in that place. Lord, we know that the drought is still continuing. We pray that your church, which includes us, will take seriously your word that tells us if we will humble ourselves and pray and turn from our sinful ways, that you will hear from heaven and heal our land. We know that you prize unity and our prayer is that the leaders of our churches will come together and seek your face for the sake of our nation. Not only our leaders, Lord, but all of us across all denominations. In years gone by, prayer has been the first port of call in times of drought and struggle, but that's not the case so much today. Remind us, Lord, to reach out at every opportunity to pray for and with others and for our nation and our leaders. We pray also for the outbreaks of rage and anger that we've erupted as people attack and blame each other for their loss and despair. Lord, we pray that the enemy will not have the victory, but that evil will be overcome with good. We pray that people will turn to you rather than turning on each other because you are our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Lord, we thank you for the miracles that have happened through this period. We thank you for all that you have done and the blessings you have given in very difficult and trying times, for the rain you have sent in some places. And Lord, we would ask that in your grace and mercy you would open the heavens and send the rain that's needed right across this country. Besides the physical drought, we know that Australia is suffering from a spiritual drought and we pray for Australian lives and society to be redeemed and transformed through an encounter with our Lord Jesus Christ. You are the only source of real and lasting hope. Please give us opportunities to share that hope with the ones who need it now. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Hello. So, picture parables, sermon number two. Again, the sermon is built around pictures that contain a parable. Just a reminder, what does parable mean? It means comparison. Comparison drawn from everyday life and nature that teach a spiritual truth. There we go. I didn't press the button. Magic. <laughs> God, not magic. An earthy story with a heavenly meaning. So here's my sermon on the mountain at Blackwood. Six different aspects related to godly living. Picture reminders of God and his word his wisdom and 
his ways. Is this going to work? So here we go. That is a church, the Uniting Church at Jamestown. And I would like to zoom in on it right now, if we may, David. That's the sign on the front of the door. It's not just a sign on the church, but it's a wonderful, true fact. Psalm 24.1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Jeremiah 23, 24, bit ahead of us there, that's good. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. Now Psalm 19, 1 to 4. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they... <laughs> what a team. <laughs> Night after night they reveal knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the earth. So God's spirit is everywhere. God is everywhere. Our responsibility, look out for him, listen to him, learn from him, live with him, love like him. The result of doing this, Psalm 119.2, blessed are they that seek him with all their heart. He wants to bless us as we watch out for him because it's everywhere. His spirit is everywhere. We are blessed. That leads to picture parable. <laughs> Good start. There. Picture parable number two. So where do we go with this? Picture parable. In fact, we're building on what has already been said. The lesson, we need to watch and pray. God's spirit is everywhere. We need to watch and pray. Now, I cannot be absolutely sure that this Dodge, this Christ of Dodge prays, but it certainly looks like he watches. So our scripture reference is Jesus. Jesus' words to his disciples. You'll know them. Watch and pray. Listen to the message translation. Stay alert, be in prayer, so you do not wander into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. There is a part of you that is eager, ready for anything in God, but there's another part that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. I just thought that was well said. Okay, the first reason to watch and pray is that we might connect up with God, that we might connect up with God. If we seriously, intentionally watch and pray, guess who we're going to bump into? That's right, God. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. We will. We'll find him if we seek him with all our heart. Acts 17, 26. From one man God made every nation of men men and women, that they should inhabit the whole earth. So this is God's plan, this earth we're living on and all these people. God did this that so that men and women would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any of us. That's the truth. He's not far from any of us. So the truth is God is waiting. The truth is God's waiting for opportunity to connect with us. 
It's why Jesus came. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. I love this little line. The seeking saviour will find the seeking sinner. The seeking saviour will find the seeking sinner. It doesn't mean we don't put in our effort. Secondary, first reason to watch and pray that we might connect with God. The second reason that we need to watch and pray is that we'll stay connected with God. When you increase your awareness of God's presence, you gain divine company. So Paul gives us good advice. Pray continually. I quoted Philip Yancey the other week. Prayer means keeping company with God who is always present. So pray continually. Continually be in God's company. Watch and pray, tuning into God's presence and communicating with God through thought and word. One further thought about watching and praying, and we hinted at it when we read, stay alert, not only for God's presence, but for Satan's schemes. Yes, there is a devil. In fact, the setting of those words spoken by Jesus, watch and pray, you'll know it was in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was on the eve of Jesus' capture and crucifixion. Jesus needed Peter's prayer support and Peter kept falling asleep. Not aware of the gravity of the situation and that the devil was about to strike. Peter learnt the lesson. He later wrote these words. Back. We've gone too far. We've gone. Just take it off. <laughs> 1 Peter 5 8. Ha ha, here we are. Be self controlled and alert. Peter's words. He didn't do this when he, Jesus needed him, but now he's telling us, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So we need to watch and pray that the devil doesn't lead us astray. So we're to watch for the opposition, but we're to watch out for opportunity from the bad to the good. Galatians 6.10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So we're to watch out for opportunity. So prayer connects us up with God. Remember Sam's sermons last week from Acts 10? He spoke to us about Peter and Cornelius and the Jew and the Gentile. Now, do you know how that happened? Cornelius was in prayer, God spoke to him. Peter was in prayer, God spoke to him. It resulted in the meeting between Peter and Cornelius. God's blessing flowed into the Gentile world. So we should pray whenever, wherever. Moses prayed up the mountain. Jonah inside a fish's belly. Joseph in prison. David in a pit of depression. Daniel in the lion's den. Paul in a storm, John on an island. Their prayers, you know why it's worth praying? Because there's a God who listens. There wasn't a God, it'd be a waste of time, but there is a God and he listens to our prayer. Pray on all occasions, we're told, with all kinds of prayers and requests. Be alert and always keep praying. Just one little thought I couldn't help but share. Jesus' advice was... 
Watch and pray. You don't have to close your eyes to pray. I remember when I was courting Narina and we're driving along and I said, Narina, we need to pray. And she really freaked out. She thought I was going to shut my eyes as we're driving down the road. (laughs) The request is often made. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. Well, it infers we bow in humility before God. We shut out distractions, both good acts. But you know, we don't have to shut our eyes whenever we pray. When I'm walking around up at Belair National Park, I don't shut my eyes when I pray. It'd be very dangerous. Bump into a gum tree, a kangaroo, an emu. When you're driving, as I said, you don't have to shut your eyes to pray. When we're inspired by God's creation and and spontaneously we want to just communicate with God, you don't have to shut your eyes. In fact, I heard a bad advice at one meeting. The minister got it back to front and he said, let's all shut our heads and bow our eyes. (laughs) Difficult to do in my opinion. The important thing, whether we... Watch and pray with eyes open or closed. We stay connected to God, to Jesus. Is it going to work? (laughs) Press that one. I've been pressing the wrong button. (laughs) It's been my fault. Oh dear. Okay. This is Alfie. Bruce Golding's dog. Now, I looked after Alfie for a couple of weeks while Bruce and Bev were away. And when I'd take Alfie for a walk, he would go and find not just a stick, but a branch. And he'd bring it back to me and he would not stop looking at me and dragging it to me until I picked it up. And then when I'd pick it up, he'd pick up the other end, this great tug of war would occur. I didn't want to do this. I said, Alfie, drop the stick. Drop the stick, but he wouldn't. It's so weird. If I dropped it, he'd drag it around into the front of me again. (laughs) He would not give up. The parable, persist, persevere. Now, so many things come straight to my mind when we look at the subject of persistence and perseverance. I was thinking, you know, way back, Remember the little engine that could? Now, there are different versions of it, but the one I remember is, I think I can. I think I can. So I'm getting moving. And then as he comes to the hill, don't think I can, don't think I can, never should have started. I read another version that says, I can't go on, I can't go on. I'm as weary as can be. I can't go on, I can't go on. This job's not for me. But the little engine said, I won't give up, I won't give up. I'll try a little harder. And then we all know he got to the top of the hill. As he's going down the other side, he said, I knew I could. I knew I could. I never should have doubted. What about Winston Churchill's favourite, famous speech to the young men in our secondary school? Churchill came out. He said, boys, never, 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 never give up. And he walked off the stage. That's all he said. But I bet those boys have never forgotten that powerful 
message. Let me quote to you, press on. This uh, is from the inside of my King James Bible. I stuck it in there. It says, press on. Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education alone will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. So the context for today. We're on a journey from birth to death, from earth to heaven, the new earth. It's said of Abraham, the father of faith, he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder was God. The Hebrew scripture goes on to say that as disciples of Jesus, we're pilgrims on this earth. We're looking and longing for a better country, a heavenly one. The journey is not without hills to climb. Perseverance is necessary. Let me read to you from Scott Peck's second book, I think, further along the road less travelled. The first one, the road less travelled. He says, I am going to be talking about the journey through life. In so doing, I cannot avoid talking about pain. Pain is simply a part of being human and it has been since the Garden of Eden. When we were banished from paradise, we, we, when we were banished from paradise, we were banished forever. We really cannot go back to Eden. We must go forward through the desert. But the journey is hard and consciousness often painful. And so most people stop their journey as quickly as they can. They find what looks like a safe pace, burrow into the sand and stay there rather than go forward through the painful desert, which is filled with cactuses and thorns and sharp rocks. So can we make it to the other side? I want to say yes, we can. God wants to help us. He will sometimes carry us across to the other side. He wants to be with us. He wants us to be with him on the journey home. Now, here's a picture parable inside the picture parable of persist, perseverance. I was walking around the Sturt Gorge on the bank of the Sturt River just a week or two ago and the river spoke to me. The river spoke to me. It said, David, never give up just like me. Then it stopped talking. But it started me thinking and I realised a river is on a journey from the hills to the ocean. It bumps into rocks, rushes over rocks, turns corners, slows down in large pools, travels through sunshine and shade, sometimes singing, sometimes silent, putting up with ducks and dead wood floating on the surface, mixing with mud, held up by dams, but the river persists and it makes it to the white sandy shore and the blue welcoming ocean. These were the thoughts I had. Then the river spoke to me again. It said, David, like me, persist. And if you do, you'll make it to the white sandy shore 
and the ocean. David, like me, with God's help, you can make it. Don't give up, persist. Now, persistence and perseverance has many applications. Many Bible verses speak of persistence, just a couple today. Luke 18.1, pray and not give up. I like to put that in reverse. Don't give up, pray. Persist in a relationship with God. Invite God into every part of our life and living. The good times and the not so good times. James 1.12, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. If we hang in and hang on through the trial, God will bring blessing our way. An important point in our persisting in prayer. And it's to say, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Because we can persist in prayer, but it's our will. And it's not what God wants for us. Prayer should always be made in a hum humble context of not my way, but your way. Sometimes we have to let go of some things that are our will and our way. Secondly, Hebrews 12.1, run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That's an amazing truth. We have a race marked out for us. You've got a race marked out for you. You've got a race marked out for you. Well, I have a race marked out for me. The key for this to outwork in our lives. Verse 2 of that, Hebrews 12.1, fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to fix it. He'll guide us onto the right track for our lives and then he'll coach us so that we can run the race well. Three, persist in doing good. Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power and he went around doing good. We don't often hear that as the evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, do we? We hear lots of things, but how about that one? If we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, if we are filled with the Spirit, the evidence will, will be we'll go around doing good. I'd like to make that point. Like Jesus, let's persist in doing good. Finally on this Picture parable, the blessing of persisting. Jeremiah, let's read it from the message. I'm going to press the right button with a bit of luck. Praise God. <laughs> oh dear. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. God's decree. Persist. We won't be disappointed. Picture parable number beautiful. When Lorena and I uh, were staying in Avoca visiting our daughter Natalie and grandkids and her husband, partner, aunt, uh, the B&B we stayed in was lovely on the shores of Avoca Beach. But the managers, the owners, invited us to sail with them on their yacht. It was called Carpe Diem. Yeah. The amazing thing is, we had never crewed on a yacht in our lives. And do you realise we, we actually came fourth in the race? I need to tell you there's only four boats in the race. <laughs> Carpe Diem. 
What does it mean? You know it means seize the day. Make the most of the moment. Give each day our best shot. Two scriptures. Encourage one another as long as it is called today. And James 4. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we'll live and do this or that tomorrow. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do today, I've added that, but doesn't do it, it is sin for them. A couple of quotes. I just like this little quote. It's a poem called At End's Day. Is anybody moved too quickly, didn't I? I should have let you do this, Dave. Back on track. Is anyone happier because you passed his way? Does anyone remember that you spoke to him today? The day is almost over and its toiling time is through. Is there anyone to utter now a kindly word to you? Can you say tonight in parting with the day that's slipping fast that you helped a single brother of the many that you passed? Is a single heart rejoicing over what you did or said? Does the man who hopes were fading now with courage look ahead? Did you waste the day or lose it? Was it well or sorely spent? Did you leave a trail of kindness or a scar of discontent? As you close your eyes in slumber, do you think that God will say, you've earned one more tomorrow by the work you did today? One quote from Chris and Kerry Shook's book, One Month to Live. Death is more universal than life. Everyone dies, but not everyone lives. So embrace each day as a gift from God. He created us and has given us another day to live, to know and experience his love, to love and serve those around us, to live passionately the life he made for us. So to finish, picture parable, seize the day, there it is. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Picture parable five. This is what I saw when parking. Narina was driving. I said, right Narina, park here. We parked, went in for a coffee and cake. Turned out to be very expensive coffee and cake. On returning to the car, inside the one hour limit, there's a parking ticket under the windscreen. I quickly discerned, though I had not read, the sign carefully. We parked that side. Parking area, disabled only. Here's the expiation notice. Issued to me on the 21st of May this year. Still got it. Still cross at myself. The fine, $371. Told you, expensive coffee and cake. <laughs> <laughs> 
Why have I kept the expiation notice? Well, to remind me to read the parking sign carefully, but also I thought, I'm going to preach on this and get my money's worth. (laughs) So what's the parable? Line our lives up with God by reading and heeding the parking sign carefully, by reading and heeding God's rules of life carefully. God clearly warns us that if we park our lives in the wrong place, we will pay a serious fine. Romans 3:23 and 6:23 all of sin and fall short of the glory of God the wages of sin the parking fine for being a sinner is death but the gift of God in Christ Jesus is eternal life like God clearly warns us that at the end of the age which is when Jesus returns there will be judgment the parking fine will be attached to the windscreen of those who have not parked their lives in the right space. Those who have accepted Jesus as Lord and Saviour and thus their sins forgiven and live to please God enter heaven's gates. Those that have ignored God's sign posts, left God and Jesus out of their lives and have not forgiven have been forgiven and cleansed of their sins and live to please themselves, enter hell's gates. The Bible is full of warning signposts telling us to park our lives in the right place. Such a shock to me to get back to the car and find a ticket advising of my negligence. What a shock for those who get to the end of life only to find that because of their negligence, their lack of reading God's signpost carefully is going to cost them everything. I don't know about you, but I get very frustrated when I'm in a hurry to get somewhere in the car and I think to myself, I'm going to take a shortcut. And you take a shortcut and you turn left to find you're in a dead-end street. Have you done that? Isn't it frustrating? Now, with summer approaching, blowflies are starting to appear. I don't know about you, but... That buzz of a blowfly that's captive inside your house is so annoying. And then they bump into the window and you just hear them bump, bump, buzz, buzz, buzz and and it drives me crazy. But being a compassionate Christian man, I don't get out the spray or the swat. I think I'll catch him and I'll take him outside. So I'm there. If neighbours are walking past, they think, what's what's he doing? Because, you know... I'm trying to, and then got him. And I, I go outside the front door and with, you know, I think, here you go, nothing in there. <laughs> it's so frustrating, all that effort, and I think I've got him and he's not there. And then I go back and he's still buzzing away. I tell you what, to get to the end of life only to find you missed the mark, hands empty of God's amazing grace, is going to be an awful experience. But it doesn't have to be that way. God has clearly signposted where to park our lives. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus. If we believe on him, we don't perish. Not hell's gate, but heaven's gate. We have eternal life. Here's my advice today. Don't put it off, and it's God's advice. However, 
We should never accept Jesus and God just so that we can avoid hell's gate. That's not going to work. We need to do it because we've watched and prayed. We've persisted. We've asked, sought and knocked. And we know that there's a God and he loves us. A Jesus who died for us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us. Our sin can be removed so that in him we might become the righteousness of God or right with God. Just a final thought on this picture parable. The parking fine was issued and put on my car three minutes after I parked. You know what that said to me? The parking inspector was just waiting at a vantage point, waiting for another sucker to come along. Like that's his day's wages nearly, isn't it? $371. Three of them and he's doing well. That's not God. He doesn't sit there waiting for us and wanting to judge us and send us through hell's gate. Thankfully, he's not like that. He's watching from his heavenly vantage point. This is what we read. The Lord isn't slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt with the heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him. The conclusion to this picture parable Park our lives in God's well-signed parking space. It's called saving grace. It has an eternal time limit. Plenty of time for coffee, cake and a chat. Picture parable six. Getting good. What is the parable? We could say the picture parable speaks to us of sin, sacrifice and salvation. But I want to say I believe this speaks to us most powerfully of love. God is love. This is love, Jesus said. Not that we love God, but that, sorry, John said this. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus, God's son, said, greater love has no one than this than he laid down his life for his friends. Jesus wants us all to be his friends. I love this quote, I've shared it before, but how amazing is Jesus? He built a bridge from earth to heaven with two pieces of wood. Nothing speaks more clearly of love than the cross of Christ. You know, may I suggest that when we see this cross, the cross, to think of love, to think and be thankful for God's love. You know, love is really the essence of Christianity. 
What does essence mean? The intrinsic feature, the distinctive element of a thing. The challenge for us, live a life of love. Jesus' words, take up your cross and follow me. My understanding of that, he's saying, take up a life of love. So that brings us to the end. So the journey we've been on today. God's spirit is everywhere. Watch and pray. Connect and stay connected. Persist. Press on in God. Seize the day. Read God's signposts. Line our lives up with God. Be flawed, filled and fashioned by God's love. My final words, we can safely park our lives in God's love. He will look after us as we journey home. And he'll be there waiting with open arms to welcome us into his amazing eternal plan. Life is not a dead-end street in God, but it's life in abundance. Amen.